Woodhouse Nissan offers a variety of SUVs and crossovers to fit your lifestyle. Whether you're looking for an SUV with high towing capability or a crossover with all-wheel drive, you can expect a variety of safety features, plenty of seating, ample cargo space, and innovative design to tackle virtually any adventure. Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com. This is America with Rich Valdez, powered by PolitiWeek.com. And Rich Valdez is with us, former Christie administration official. You worked for Chris Christie, you've been in politics, done a lot of public service stuff. Rich Valdez, columnist now with the Washington Times. This is America. Richie V, you're on the air with the nation. The nation. This is America with your host, Rich Valdez. What's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, your liberty-loving Latino amigo right here, 17 floors above Madison Square Garden, New York City. Check it out. The Democrats continue to play their games. Nancy Pelosi and Joe Biden are saying that now the federal government must mandate mask wearing. Then the New York Times is once again back at what they're doing, saying... There's Russian interference, Russian collusion, not this time with the election. No, it's not the election. It's through hitmen known as the Taliban. The New York Times is citing anonymous sources saying that the Russian GRU, their CIA, paid bribes to the Taliban to kill American soldiers in Afghanistan. Of course, this turns into something new that you can try to pin on President Trump. And a little while ago, I shared this piece by Victor Morton from the Washington Times discussing the entire thing. But what's interesting is, do you remember a time when the Democrats were alleging other stuff that went on, when they were alleging that there was a PP tape, when they were alleging that General Flynn was guilty of colluding with Sergei Kislyak, the Russian ambassador? And guess what? We found out it was all bull. It was a pack of lies. But they sold it like it was true. They sold it straight to the American people so that they could try to get this impeachment. The whole thing was a hoax. The whole thing was a sham. And I don't like to say hoax because it really happened. Not what they're saying happened. The actual impeachment happened. And that's a damn shame. But this is how the Democrats roll. So it doesn't surprise me in the least that they're trying to do it again. However, that old saying for most people is you fool me once, shame on you. You fool me twice. Shame on me. At least I better check that with W. Make sure I got that saying right. There's an old saying in Tennessee. I know it's in Texas, probably in Tennessee, that says, fool me once. Shame on shame on you. It fooled me. We can't get fooled again. But on Sunday, President Trump made a statement saying the U.S. intelligence agencies decided not to brief him on reports that Russia had put a bounty on American servicemen because they didn't think the information was credible. Now, President Trump was responding to Senator Graham's request of whether, quote, the Russian GRU units in Afghanistan have offered to pay the Taliban to kill American soldiers. So in true President Trump fashion, Donaldus Magnus El Trumpito, Donald J. Trump, the 45th president of the United States, he, quote, tweeted um, Senator Graham and replied, Intel just reported to me that they did not find this info credible and therefore did not report it to me or Vice President Mike Pence in the uh, president's daily briefing. Yet, the New York Times has taken this thing to town. 
They're going to town saying Trump knew it. He turned a blind eye. He's Putin's puppet. He's in the tank for the Russians. They, they, I find it funny because they use the same thing every single time. Every single time they come with the same story. Can't they come up with a new story? I mean, is it always going to be, oh, well, it's Trump and the Russians, Trump and the Russians, Trump and the Russians, or then it's going to be Trump, the impeached president, or is it going to be Trump uh, and how he botched the coronavirus response, how he was a xenophobe for shutting down air travel to China. He's a xenophobe for shutting down air travel to Europe. I think the president was very judicious. I think he was very cautious, used a lot of... um, Common sense, a lot of wisdom. He was shrewd. You don't want to cut your nose off to spite your face, but you want to save lives. So you do what you think is best and you're, you take a measured uh, response to things. I don't think the president's response was bad in any way. If you're listening to this and you're laughing right now and you're like, man, well, wow, you really drank that Trump Kool-Aid. I did. I don't see how Monday morning quarterbacking will make this any better. Of course, we could sit here and criticize the things that have already happened. This isn't anything comparable to what's going on, even like right now. Right now, I'm here in New York. I just came in from Jersey. In Jersey, the governor just announced that there's going to be a pause on indoor dining. Now, this is important to so many restaurants because without indoor dining, they can't make enough money to operate and pay their staff. But that doesn't worry him at all. In New York, Governor Cuomo saying malls are scheduled to open in a couple of days, but they're not if they don't somehow now spring for a new type of filtration system on their air conditioning. Now, this I find interesting because air conditioning is inside every hospital. Right now, I'm in WABC radio studios right smack in the middle of Manhattan, and it's super cool in here. Why? Because there's air conditioning. There's air conditioning everywhere. And again, I'm on the 17th floor. That means there's 16 floors below me filled with people, offices that are at 25% of their current staff. So now you tell me, is air conditioning really killing people? Is that the real reason that you're going to stop businesses from moving to the next phase? Air conditioning? Like there's no air conditioning on the subways, which are still running at full capacity? Like there's no air conditioning on city buses? You've got to be kidding me. And that's why I find this so problematic. Because it almost seems like Democrats are literally just making things up to slow down the economic response. I'm not trying to be a conspiracy theorist. And we'll get into conspiracies a little bit later because they're really all over the place. But what I want to talk about now is, is that really the case? Are Democrats being overly cautious? And that's putting them in the best light possible or downright sinister in slowing down people from being able to open. I don't know. Get at me at Rich Valdez on all social media at Rich Valdez with an S at Rich Valdez with an S on Twitter, on Parlor. Parlor's a lot of fun, by the way. Uh, recently got verified on there and that was really great. Big shout out to that team. They have an excellent team there. And it's really fun to be able to say something and really reach a lot of the people that follow you. I can put the same post on Twitter and I don't get the same response. And that's because, unfortunately, Twitter has algorithms that prevent certain people's messages from reaching certain people. Some call it shadow banning. Some call it scumbaggery. Call it what you want. But those are the facts. Now, if you listen to the episode right before this one, you heard some old clips of the current Black Lives Matter superstar, Walter Hawk Newsom. And they were given to me on Friday by Frank Morano and Curtis Lewa, And I played them on the live show on Saturday. 
And if you had a chance to listen to it, great. I appreciate that. If you haven't, you should check it out because uh, they're, they're older clips of him being incredibly impassioned and delivering a very, very, very strong and sobering message to these community group meetings. And it just reinforces his stance of burning things down. And he took to the media yet again on Sunday, and he said this. I'm not encouraging people to go out and hurt other people. That's, that's not what I'm promoting. What I'm talking about is systemic inequality. What I'm talking about is America treating crime as, as, as something that needs to be handled with policing instead of defunding the police and looking at crime from the pers- perspective that it's a health crisis. And like I said on my Saturday show, I'm going to repeat again, I don't really take exception to everything he's saying, but I do believe he's wrong. I think he's coming from a place that just is not legitimate. And I think that's why the global BLM organization has disavowed him because they don't want to be seen as that radical. But I don't think he's wrong when he says that the black Democrat leaders in so many communities have let down their black constituents. I agree. I think a lot of people agree. And that's why black voices for Trump is something that's grown so much. I think that's why you have the rise of so many very prominent black Republicans, and many of them are young, because they've seen the same thing. And they said, you know what? When Trump said to black Americans, what do you have to lose? Look how much African-American communities have suffered under democratic control. To those, I say the following. What do you have to lose? By trying something new like Trump, what do you have to lose? A lot of them said, you know what? You're right. What do we have to lose? We've tried this for decades on end. Democrats have done nothing. All we've got is the likes of Joe Biden. So why not go with Trump? And minus the last three months, all Americans, not just black Americans, all Americans have had a good economic turnaround, more opportunity, more funding for historically black colleges and universities more funding and attention going into the First Step Act, which overwhelmingly supports African-Americans that are incarcerated. So there's a lot. There's really a lot on the table when it comes to what has Trump done for the black community. But BLM's latest superstar says that things need to be burned down. And it makes me think, who else wanted to burn things down? Who else talked about burning things down? Well, none other than Fidel. Fidel Castro, right? Fidel Castro is the late, not great, dictator in Cuba that did the same thing, literally and figuratively. What he called a literacy campaign was really a re-education campaign where they stopped public education for a year. They sent the teachers off and away. Does that sound familiar? I know it's eerily familiar to what's going on right now. And when they came back, they had a new system that they put in place that was effective for promoting communism. I'm going to read you a quote from an article I was reading, educationnext.org, headline, Cuban schools, too good to be true. This is by Paul Peterson from March of this year. Education is central to Cuban communism. Here's a quote from Fidel Castro. Revolution and education are the same thing, said Fidel Castro, the island's revolutionary hero. To build communism... A new man must be created. Society as a whole must become a huge school. 
That's Castro's philosopher in residence, Che Guevara. And this came immediately following the 1960 revolution. Cuba embarked on what they called an eradicate illiteracy campaign. Over a quarter of a million teachers were sent from schools to rural areas for extended periods away from home to live with the campesinos, country folk, and others who they taught. Offering a dissenting opinion, H.S. Bola says that there was a militaristic energy to the operation. Listen to this. Student workers were organized into brigades. They wore uniforms and took oaths and liberated villages from illiteracy. The title of their primer, Venceremos, which means we will overcome or we will conquer, reflected a military tone, although it was well understood that the enemy in this case was illiteracy. They even sang hymns, and a section of the hymn sung by the brigade down at the countryside included references to yet another enemy. Down with imperialism, up with liberty. We carry with the words the light of our truth. That's a quote from the communists. They literally went right into people's homes to re-educate them. That was before they figured out, hey, we can have re-education camps, a.k.a. prisons. I make these constant references to communism because we've seen how these tactics work. The tactics that Mr. Newsom is uh, using and referring to. Now, I'm not selling him short because there's things he says that I think make sense. I mean, here's a quote from his interview with um, Fox News on Sunday. Our elders, a lot of them have been bought off by the Democratic establishment, right? And they pretty much go with the flow of the Democratic establishment. I would agree with that. Newsom went into other stuff like saying what I'm talking about, and this is a quote, what I'm talking about is America treating crime as something that needs to be handled with policing instead of defunding the police and looking at crime from the perspective that it's a health crisis, trying to make the comparison between drug addiction and crime. And there's a good piece on this in the Washington Times by Valerie Richardson, if you want to check it out. The point that I'm making here is that I don't think police need to be militaristic. I really don't. I think you need a SWAT team for SWAT type of activities. But by and large, the police don't need to be the SWAT team all the time. Not every cop is part of the SWAT team. Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out in the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade. And I say that because, I mean, I, I get how policing works to some degree, you know, with some limited experience. And I'm a member of a community. I remember, you know, sergeants and above wearing really sharp, sharp pressed uniforms with patent leather shoes, always had their hat on. Really, really nice uniforms here in New York City. Back when officers had one gun, it was a six shooter revolver. It was, yes, it was a different time, but I remember those days. I remember that they wore ties. <laughs> I haven't seen a cop with a tie on in uh, forever. I mean, every cop looks like they're part of the counterterrorism unit or the SWAT team or ESU. So that's something I think that we need to look at so that people can say, you know what? We need to really focus on having cops back on the beat, on the street, 
connecting with members of the community. And yes, that comes with challenges. But yes, police work comes with challenges. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Let me know. I'm at Rich Valdez, at Rich Valdez with an S on Twitter, on Instagram. Hit me up on Facebook. Um, you can check out the video I was mentioning before and another video I'm going to talk about in a little bit, which is on the Facebook as well. But I want you to keep it locked right here because when we come back, we're going to get into the latest rumor, the latest attack, the next piece of fake news that President Trump is losing tons of support. I'm Rich Valdez. This is America. In times like these, it's so important that we focus on the facts. I always tell you to focus on the facts. I think you hear that everywhere you go, and that's because facts are irrefutable. It's the bottom line. It's the real deal. And in times like this of uncertainty, we need to rely on the facts. I get my facts from JustFacts.com. That's F-A-C-T-S, JustFacts.com. Go to JustFacts.com and sign up for their newsletter. JustFacts.com forward slash rich. Just put my name in there and you'll get it for free. JustFacts.com slash rich. This is America. All right, welcome back. So by now you've probably heard the audio of former White House Chief of Staff Mick Mulvaney saying that he agreed with certain critics, including Governor Chris Christie, saying that the Trump team needs to recalibrate and they need to recalibrate now, citing the president losing support amongst key constituencies, not the least of which are senior citizens that are actually taking offense to the attacks on Biden and his failing health with respect to suspected dementia. In fact, I heard right here on WABC, I was listening to Brian Kilmeade early in the morning. He played uh, some audio and spoke about some senior citizens taking offense to that and how the president won in 2016 senior citizens over Hillary Clinton. I think the number of difference was eight percentage points. I don't know if I'm right or wrong on that one or if that's true or not, but I think it's interesting because I, I could see something like that happening. I think people could say, well, you know what? You know, people become sensitive. And not everybody ages so gracefully where they don't forget. And I know people do become frustrated. And I think if you're that person that suffers from aphasia or one of the other symptoms related to dementia, I think you may have sympathy towards that person. So maybe there is truth in not painting Biden as a useful idiot. Not to mention, I listened to his audio from his trip to Pennsylvania a couple of days back. Uh, I think it was Thursday or Friday. And let me tell you, he wasn't stammering and stuttering that much in that speech. He made a few, you know, gaffes. He's Biden. But it was coherent. I think when Sean Hannity asked the president about what's next for America, I think that was the opportunity for him to lay out the plan. I think he needs to continue selling that hope because they're not going to stop. They're not going to relent. The fake news media is going to keep coming after him, painting him as a Russian agent, painting him as an evil orange person. And it's wrong. It's dead wrong. But history's shown us that bad economies are not very friendly to incumbents. So we need major recovery. We need it fast. We need hope. And we need a really positive message. I, for one, am going to be voting for Trump. I support the president. I know he has a yeoman's task ahead of him, and he had one ahead of him when he got in. But we have to band together to ensure that momentum isn't lost. Now, this brings me to another point. And again, I talk about conspiracy theories like I like to touch the third rail in the New York subway. I don't. However, there are lots of 
theories, ideas, groups, movements, people that are researchers and independent uh, sharers of information and have become obsessed with arresting people. I know people are like, well, Rich, what's wrong with holding people accountable? What's wrong with justice? There's nothing wrong with those things. However, if we think that every single person that does something stupid or wrong or bad in the government is going to pay the price with their life in prison, with their life, with a death sentence, I think you're mistaken. Period. Our system wasn't designed that way. We don't have any historical precedent for that. Okay, there was a few people that were hanged for the Espionage Act, violations of it. And the episode that I did with Greg Jarrett was really, I think, beneficial. If you get a chance, listen to it. Because we talked about what Comey did and what we should expect. And the consensus was clear that there were federal laws broken and that charges could be brought. But they weren't treason. They weren't sedition. They weren't these super high crimes that people were making them out to be. Now, I agree that this, uh, as uh, the great one Mark Levin would put it, soft coup or silent coup happened. Of course it happened, and it's bad, and we need to do something about it. But I always say, dirty cops are the best criminals. They know exactly how to break the rules because they make the rules. They enforce the rules, especially when they're in cahoots with Congress people and other politicians. So when you know how to beat the system because you had a hand in making the system, it explains how you have the likes of Hillary Clinton and so many others that have enriched themselves as political grifters and gotten away with it for decades. Four years of Trump in Washington is excellent. But I don't believe that that can combat 40 years of corruption. That's just my two cents. What that calls for is a vigorous re-election of the president so he can continue to bring law and order to the swamp, to our political system, to our country overall. I know. You probably didn't like hearing that. And I hope and pray that I'm wrong. I hope and pray. I have a bet going with a family member that certain high individuals, the ones in particular that Bill Barr mentioned, Attorney General Bill Barr, when he said that there was, they were not seeking any type of criminal investigation of either man, Barack Obama or Joe Biden. When that was mentioned, I think a lot of people were like, oh, no, but they can't you know, show their cards. They can't say, listen, I, from your lips to God's ears, I hope that you're right. As far as I know, tarnishing their reputation and correcting the record in history is as good as it's going to get. And that's the debate that I keep having with this family member where we discuss re-election prospects, and he says, yeah, Trump is losing support because he hasn't arrested everybody yet. And I'm thinking, Trump's not going to arrest everybody because he can't arrest everybody. He's not going to become an authoritarian fascist dictator overnight. He really isn't one. He's not militaristic. He doesn't like war. He's not a warmonger. He doesn't support the military-industrial complex, but for making sure that we have what we need to defend ourselves. But in terms of being imperialistic and being aggressive, I think he's proven that time and again. Strategic strikes, a couple of bombings, pulling troops home like crazy. He doesn't want war. I'm not faulting him for that. I'm just saying he's not that guy. He's been very fair, very observant of the Constitution, very respectful of it. And that's the larger point to me is the bloodthirsty gang of people that are my compatriots I understand where that frustration comes from, but we can't allow our emotions to guide us into becoming fascists, saying, oh, because they don't follow the Constitution, we're not going to follow the Constitution. 
that's not going to work. All right, don't go anywhere yet because we are coming right back. And when we do, we're going to talk a little bit about what happened with the Columbus statue protest in New Haven, Connecticut. Great video. It's about 10 or 12 or half hour. I don't know, 20 minutes or more around that area. It's on my Facebook and uh, you should watch it if you have the chance and the time. I thought it was really eye-opening in many different ways. And I'm going to talk a little bit about it when we come back. Keep it locked right there. I'm Rich Valdez. This is America. All right. Welcome back. We're still here. Now, check this out. I was watching that video, like I said, on Facebook. Definitely watch it if you can. It's a little bit long, but it shows that racism, in my opinion, isn't systemic, but that it's actually something that's individualized. In the video, there's a Black Lives Matter protester with a ponytail. And he says that he supports Trump's policies, but dislikes his character. But he's offended by Planned Parenthood, and he's also offended by the statue of Christopher Columbus. He said he views Columbus as a colonizer, and he views Columbus Day as a celebration of the Anglicanization of Italian heritage, basically whitewashing Italians for the sake of white supremacy. Now, he was there at the park in New Haven, to advocate for the statue to be moved to a museum. But he ended up getting into a fight when a counter-protester grabbed his sign, punched him in the back of the head, and he retaliated by busting the bullhorn that he had in his hand over that guy's head. Definitely not helpful. The thing I notice here is that people are not monolithic. Not everybody believes in all of the things that you believe or that I believe. And I think it's critical that we all respect that. That is what makes America great, that we have civility, that we have civil discourse, and we also have the best system of justice in the world, even though it's not perfect. History has taught us that incivility and even the Civil War, it didn't last forever, and it's not productive. It destroyed so many people, including ripping our country apart. So I know there's a lot of people out there saying, get ready, the Civil War is coming back. Listen, fine, but it's not going to last forever. And it's not something I think any of us should support. We're going to have to return to civility at some point. I think that's the reason that Jesus said, an eye for an eye is no longer the law of the land. And that we should turn our face and get smacked on the other cheek. Because a society that lives by an eye for an eye is ultimately going to become a blind society. Because there are going to be no eyes left to be taken out. Civil war, in and of itself, in my opinion, is fascistic. Do what I say or I'll hurt you. And it's exactly what our enemies want. They want to divide us so they can conquer us. It's like Lincoln said, when America falls, it will not succumb to any foreign enemy. But it'll be Americans that destroy us from within. So if you're one of those that thinks that civil war is the answer, you're sadly misguided. I think you should revisit your history and everything else that makes America great. Murder and bigotry are definitely not on the list of what made America great. Godspeed to you all. Until the next time, America, hasta la próxima. Like Hamilton said, stand for something, because if you stand for nothing, you'll fall for anything. And I love to quote Burke at the end of the show. The only thing necessary for evil to triumph is for good men and women like you to sit there and do nothing. So, let me be very direct. Infiltrate the media. Infiltrate higher education. Infiltrate your local government. Infiltrate your state government. Infiltrate the federal government. Take a page from 
El Trompito's Playbook, Donaldus Magnus, Donald J. Trump, the 45th President of the United States. Leave your deluxe apartment in the sky here on Fifth Avenue, Trump Tower. Grab your gorgeous supermodel wife by the hand and say, hey, honey, we're going to Washington. We're going to make a difference. We're going to lose tons of money. I'm going to donate my salary and we're going to make America great again. Until the next one, America. I'm Rich Valdez, and this is America. This is America. 